are you weather ready for summer? Hot weather itself can mean that we need to protect ourselves, but also things like summer storms, intense thunderstorms, etc. Future proofing UK water supplies. We've got wetlands, we've got chalk streams, so we have a special duty of care to look after those. And could your dog be suffering from hay fever? Data before the pandemic showed us that we saw an estimated 30,000 cases of allergy per year. It's Friday the 20th of May and you're listening to Weathersnap from the Met Office. Hello, I'm Claire Nazir and welcome to Weathersnap, the insider's guide to the week's weather headlines. While we tend to associate severe weather with wintertime, summer can throw up its fair share of risks. That's why the Met Office has launched its annual Summer Weather Ready campaign. To tell us more, here's Head of Civil Contingencies, Will Lang. Summer brings its own particular weather hazards. There's plenty of fine weather, which we all enjoy, but there are those particular things that we need to keep an eye on, check the forecasts about as we head into the summer months. So heat is probably the main thing we need to keep an eye on. Um, Hot weather itself can mean that we need to protect ourselves, but also things like summer storms, intense thunderstorms, etc. And what we're doing with Weather Ready is trying to highlight the particular things that people might want to keep an eye on in the forecast and also how to protect themselves and keep their families and their pets and things like that safe from all of these types of different weather. Obviously, the Met Office is a government organisation, so they have a requirement to impart this information, Will. That's right, Claire. I mean, it's the Met Office's job not just to give everyone just the weather forecast, but also that advice we all need to help keep ourselves and each other safe and to thrive. Do you think people are more weather ready than they were, say, 10 years ago? I think we're getting more of the weather in general. I think we're becoming more aware of the way that the climate is changing and how that will affect us. So I do like to think that we are that little bit more prepared year upon year than we used to be. Summer's gone by in the UK. We've had named storms through August when, in fact, we define the season starting in September. And that's probably one of the key messaging points which has allow people to be more aware? Well, summer weather can change really quickly and that means that the forecast can also change quickly. We're continually updating the forecast and indeed the warnings. So please stay in touch with the forecast and the warnings via the website and all our other channels, including network television. One of the projected changes caused by a warming climate is a shift in rainfall patterns. This has a direct impact on water supplies and maintaining a consistent supply is a key concern for both consumers and water companies. Eastern counties are notably drier than other parts of the UK and the Met Office is currently working in partnership with Anglian Water to help them prepare for future periods of drought. To find out more, climate correspondent Graham Madge spoke to Jeff Darch, Water Resources Strategy Manager at Anglian Water. We're facing a number of different challenges It's a very dry region already, and with climate change, we're expecting further challenges. So we might get wetter winters and we might get uh, drier summers, and that change in seasonality can cause us quite a few issues. We're also having to move to a higher level of drought resilience. So we want to move to what's called a one in 500 year level of resilience. And that's a real challenge for us because we've never experienced a a one in 500 year drought event. So we don't know what that looks like. And that's where the Met Office have been helping us. 
Can you describe in more detail about the Met Office's role in helping you with understanding what future climates will look like? We've looked back in previous work at the drought events that have occurred over the last 100 years or so, and we've seen seven notable droughts over that period. And work that we did previously with the Met Office, we were able to identify that in certain areas, one or two of those events had been around about the one in 200 year level, which was the previous standard that we were trying to work towards. By 2039, we need to move to a one in 500 year level of drought resilience. So what we're doing with the Met Office is working to develop a new type of weather generator, the Advanced Meteorology Explorer, which essentially uh, kind of creates different possible kind of histories of the last hundred years or so. And we can run this model that's been developed many, many times. And then analysing that data, we can pick out drought events that are different in character, but also more severe than those which we have experienced in the last hundred years. And then what we can do is we can take those drought events and we can put them into our hydrological models, we can put them into our water resource system models, and we can estimate the impact that those droughts would have on our supply system. What would you describe as being a drought event? Because it's not just the absence of rainfall for a week or so, is it? We're looking at much longer scale events. Some people would define drought you know, in terms of a few weeks of dry weather, perhaps indeed what we're seeing across large parts of the country at the moment. And of course, if conditions remain dry, you may start to see us moving into, a, say, an agricultural drought or perhaps even in what's known as an environmental drought when rivers and so on become quite stressed. But Anglian's in quite a unique situation in that generally for most of our region, we have quite large storage. So we have very large underground uh, storage of groundwater known as aquifers, but we also have pretty large reservoirs, um, certainly when you add them up across our region. And what they are vulnerable to is not dry, a few dry weeks, a few dry months, even you know a single dry winter. These large stores of water are vulnerable to two or three consecutive dry winters, and we would get concerned about the ability to continue supplying at, at the same levels. What is it in the projections that you're dreading to see? What would be a, you know, a nightmare scenario for water resource planners such as yourself? I think if we started to see a shorter winter recharge period in future, so if, if we see a, a wetter winter, but that winter is concentrated and we actually see drier springs and autumns, that would mean that we wouldn't necessarily see our reservoirs getting full at the end of the winter and our groundwater recharging. So that would definitely worry me. Um, as a water resource planner. Many people perhaps believe East Anglia to be a rather dry environment, but that's not the case, is it? There's some very unique wetland landscapes. What's Anglian water's responsibility to those? We have a fantastic environment that has a strong relationship with water. We've got the only water-based national park in the broads. We've got wetlands, we've got chalk streams. So we have a special duty of care to look after those unique habitats and, and to look after you know obstructions and discharges that relate to those and drought can affect those natural environments um, as well as you know affecting what we're interested in doing in terms of supplying water to customers so it's very much a balance across the environment across things like agriculture as well as public water supply. Jeff Darch of Anglian Water. Well for parts of the country rainfall has been in plentiful supply this week as many places saw torrential downpours accompanied by thunder and lightning. 
So can we expect fairer conditions in the next few days? Here with the outlook, Aidan McGiven. If you're after fair weather, Claire, this weekend it's about picking your moments. Saturday looks like the better of the two days. Certainly there'll be plenty of fine weather across England and Wales because of a ridge of high pressure that's building from the south. So a sunny start for much of southern and eastern Scotland, England, Wales as well. I think through the day there'll be a bit more cloud building and there's the potential for Wales, for southwest England, for the Midlands, just for one or two showers, but they'll be few and far between. I think for most of England and Wales, it's looking fine and dry. But for Scotland and Northern Ireland, closer to an area of low pressure to the north, a cloudier picture during Saturday. There'll be showers around, but there'll also be longer spells of rain moving in later from the northwest. It will feel cool in many places this Saturday, but still the potential for 19 to 21 Celsius where we get the best of any drier and brighter weather. Now, the longer spells of rain that I mentioned towards the far northwest will spread across much of northern and western parts of the UK by Sunday morning. So generally cloudy with outbreaks of rain or showers here. As the day gets going, the cloud will lift and break and we'll see more scattered showers developing. Again, they'll be lively in places with the risk of thunder, perhaps. But the general theme this Sunday is for the drier and brighter weather to remain towards the southeast, whilst the cloudier and more showery weather will be towards the north. Thanks, Aidan. Over the past month, we've been reporting on the continuing heatwave affecting India and Pakistan. While Sri Lanka has now seen its first monsoon rain, parts of India and southeast Pakistan continue to bake under an oppressive heat. This week, a new Met Office report was released, showing the link between climate change and the current extreme conditions. The report suggests the chance of record-breaking heat waves in northwest India and Pakistan has increased by a factor of 100. Previously, the natural probability of a heat wave exceeding average temperatures for the year 2010 was considered to be one in every 312 years. However, given current trends in warming, that probability has increased to one in just 3.1 years. And by the end of the century, the chances of exceeding those benchmark temperatures is set to increase to one in every 1.15 years. Earlier, we heard about some of the risks and nuisances associated with finer weather. And one of those is that miserable condition, hay fever. While sufferers will be keeping a keen eye on current moderate to high forecasts, what about those four-legged members of the family? The fact is dogs and cats can also be laid low by high pollen levels. With some advice on spotting problems and protecting our pooches, here's Claire Roberts of the People's Dispensary for Sick Animals. My name is Claire Roberts and I am a vet at the PDSA, which is the People's Dispensary for Sick Animals. The PDSA is the UK's largest veterinary charity and we provide free and low cost treatment to pets in need where owners struggle to afford it. It's hard to say exactly how many pollen allergies we see a year because it's so hard to distinguish what cats and dogs are actually allergic to. But data before the pandemic showed us that we saw an estimated 30,000 cases of allergy per year. So that does include other allergies like food allergies and allergies to dust mites. Pollen allergies can affect cats and dogs. 
the sort of symptoms that you'll see in humans. So we get runny eyes, sneezing, um, itching eyes. In cats and dogs, you'll generally see something happening to the skin. So this is normally pruritus, which is itching. You might see excessive scratching. They might lick or bite their paws or rub their head, uh, scratch at their ears. If you see your pet showing any of these symptoms or you're concerned, the first thing to do is to take them to see your vet who can rule out other issues that might cause itching, such as fleas. It's important to realise that there is no cure for pollen allergies, so this is a lifelong issue. So once you've spoken to your vet, they will help you to work out the best management plan that will fit in with you and with your pet. It's important not to try anything at home, especially giving any medications without speaking to your vet. There's a few things you can do to avoid the allergen. So you can check out the pollen forecast, so you can work out if it's a high pollen or a low pollen day. If you do know what type of pollen your pet is most affected by, you can find an area to walk that doesn't have these things. Pollen starts to increase in the morning and after lunch it starts to decrease again, so you can try and walk your dog in the very early morning or in the late afternoon or early evening, because that's normally when the pollen counts lowest. You can give them a wash, give their paws and muzzle a, a wipe after each walk and keep up with your grooming because it might help to remove pollen that's clinging to their fur and then general hygiene that you would probably do anyway so keep their bedding nice and clean. Something else that's really important at this time of year with the weather heating up is keeping your dogs and cats safe from the heat, especially dogs. We all know to not leave your dog in a hot car. Um, this goes for cars left in the shade Actually, a recent studies found that most dogs who are suffering from a heat-related illness do so after going on a really hot walk on a hot day. So it's important to make sure that your dogs are going outside at a time of day that is much cooler, especially if they are elderly or if they have underlying heart problems, overweight dogs or dogs with flat faces. PDSA is part of the Dogs Die in Hot Cars campaign, which has been running for a number of years. And this year is being added the Dogs Die on Hot Walks campaign. So have a look and check that out. Claire Roberts. And you can find out more advice on keeping pets safe in warmer conditions by visiting pdsa.org.uk. Just before we go, here's Martin Bowles with last week's highs and lows. Here are the UK weather extremes. For the week beginning Monday the 9th of May and ending on Sunday the 15th of May. The highest officially recorded temperature of the week was 23.5 degrees Celsius in London on Saturday. This was measured at both RAF Northolt and at St James's Park. The coldest place was Tibbenham Airfield in Norfolk, where 1.0 degrees was observed on Monday morning. The largest daily rainfall was also seen on Monday. 39.6 mm was recorded at Acknagart Ross and Cromarty in northwest Scotland. The longest daily sunshine amount was 12.1 hours at Aberdarren on the far western tip of the Thin Peninsula in North Wales. Thanks, Martin. That's it for Weathersnap. I'm Claire Nazir. Editor is Adrian Holloway. Thanks for listening. Weathersnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office. For the latest weather conditions where you are, download the Met Office weather app.